0: I'm hoping you'll become more aware of those moments when a deeper part of you is prompting you to see things differently, and maybe even go a new direction. So let's get started. For today's episode, I'm going to read a short story by me. How I came to write my first short story is a funny story itself. I had picked up and left my Midwestern hometown with only what could fit in my car, drove down to a beach town in Florida to begin my new life, and wandered around with anxiety about what the heck I was going to do next. Oh, and it was the initial climax of the COVID-19 outbreak, spring of 2020. The new ritual that grounded me most was walking the beach every morning. A month into my new life, as I walked my route, a fantasy came out of my unconscious about reconnecting with a man who I had spent a couple nights with six months earlier. It didn't go anywhere and I had deleted his phone number. But now the fantasy came up and tortured me and I began to see the man's likeness everywhere. I couldn't take it anymore. And then one day after signing up for a writing program and finding out I had to write a short story, I freaked out. But then for six weeks accompanied by a Cosmo Martini and the local musician who played acoustic guitar at my new favorite bar on the ocean, all the pent up sexual energy came out onto the page. I began to wonder about the relationship between sexuality, spirituality, and creative imagination. I hope you enjoy my short story and explore the ways your own creative imagination wants to express itself. The Fantasy, A Short Story, by Deborah Lukovich, PhD. Copyright 2020. Dedication. For all the men and women seeking to come into deeper relationship with self and others. It was the end of a hot summer day during the work week. My glistening tan skin drank up the cool ocean breeze as I settled into my usual spot at the outdoor bar at the local seafood joint. The casual place that featured crab legs and tropical drinks was frequented by locals and tourists alike. Cabernet, my favorite bartender anticipated, At least twice per week, I found myself gravitating towards the oceanfront view and the bartender who was more like a friend. Two months earlier, I had arrived in the Florida beach town, ready to begin my new life. Putting on a pretty dress and melting into the buzz of the scene that night felt like a meaningful ritual, part of my awareness that I was living life in a completely new way. Now, I set up my laptop and got to work writing. It was the only thing that felt right after signing up for the 10-week program to launch myself as a writer. Writing my first short story was freaking me out. Sophia? I wondered if I had really heard my name being called. The familiar voice came from the man seated at the other end of the bar. I had caught a glance of him out the corner of my eye when I arrived, but only as part of my usual quick scan of who chose to gather at this watering hole on any given evening. The man was kind of hunched over. His energy seemed heavy and a little sad. He resembled that guy in the movie who has been defeated by his own life and feels lost about what to do next. He was dressed casually, tan shorts and a white linen short sleeve button shirt. I couldn't see the entire image, but part of a tattoo covered his right bicep, which flexed every time he lifted his glass to take another sip of some kind of brown alcohol. He looked familiar like the man with whom I had a brief encounter about a year ago and who I had desperately hoped to meet again. Makers Mark Whiskey. Neat, the man responded to the bartender's inquiry, that detail making me take notice. He was of similar build to the man I once yearned for, a little more than six feet tall, I guessed, with a solid body type. His hair was dark, longer on top, and held in place with hair product that probably smelled good and he had just the right amount of facial hair that millennial men had made trendy. When he looked down at his phone, he moved his dark, thick-rimmed glasses to the top of his head, which held back his hair, another subtle detail that registered in my body. As I sipped my glass of Cabernet, I entered a semi-conscious dream world where my fantasy reunion became a reality. Stop, I told myself. I had been duped many times before by my act of imagination. It was an unlikely place to run into the man who I'd met a year earlier at a random sports bar back home in Minneapolis, a city he occasionally traveled to for business. Sophia, the man repeated politely. Feelings of awkwardness washed over me when my eyes glanced up to meet his at the end of the bar. He was far enough away so that I just couldn't be sure it was him. Part of me knew it was the man I thought I'd never see again, and another part of me dismissed that possibility outright. The uttering of just one word, Sophia, transformed me in an instant from a grown woman to a hormonal middle school girl experiencing her first attraction to a boy. I felt paralyzed. I couldn't even respond. My hesitation seemed to cause a mutual awkwardness. He quickly looked down at his phone, likely embarrassed by his mistake. Is it him? A part of me excitedly wondered. I just had to know, but the awkwardness was almost more than I could bear. What if it isn't him? Riskier, though, was a possibility that was indeed him, Jason. Another glass of Cabernet, Sophia? The question from the bartender was a welcome distraction from the torture. Why was I so hesitant? What was so painfully difficult with a simple response like, Hey, is that you, Jason? I recognized the discomfort I felt as the vulnerability I had only recently learned to tolerate, even embrace, to be open to a deeper kind of love, a kind of love I hadn't experienced until my midlife unraveling. I took a breath. Here goes, I told myself. Jason? I shyly asked. Our mutual recognition exposed the complexity of our attraction. As everyone around us faded away, it felt as if the man and I were the main characters in a dramatic story about reunited lovers. Lovers that had never had a chance to take a stab at a relationship. Oh, the silent pause felt like an eternity. What are you doing here? He asked. It was a surface-level question. A safe question, but also a good one. Since our last encounter, so much had happened. I had sold my house and almost everything in it. A year before that, I had quit my high-paying job with nothing to take its place because I just couldn't stand doing that job anymore. What are you doing here? I asked across the bar, feeling embarrassed. Oh, what a dumb question, the voice inside my head declared. On the other hand, my question was also a good one. His permanent residence was Atlanta. The small talk questions felt like torture. What were the odds? Awkwardness now morphed into intense vulnerability. My cheeks felt flush. I was sweating and my hands were fidgeting in my lap. I'm not a shy person, I told myself. The intense vulnerability meant only one thing. This man was connecting with me on a deep level and likely he was not even conscious of this fact. This moment... The one in my imagination that I had finally given up on after months of being tortured by my fantasy reunion was now potentially real life. Time stood still as every detail of my brief history with Jason rushed through my body and flashed through my mind in an instant. It all began on a summer evening at Jack's Tavern, back in my hometown. On that night, a casual conversation with Jason unexpectedly triggered the release of what felt like a hormonal drug through my veins. What is going on? the analytical voice inside me had asked. It wasn't the first time I had chatted with Jason, but until that night, I had simply considered him an attractive, interesting, and polite man who I guessed to be in his mid-40s. He had become part of a group of regulars at the bar when he was in town on business. Up until this evening, my only interactions with him has been as start partner or opponent during games with a group of regulars. On these occasions, there might be some small talk, but that was it. So I was unprepared for what happened on this particular night. I found myself chatting with Jason alone. What do you do for work? I asked. I install signs. Hmm. Not much to go on, I thought. Why would a company in Minneapolis pay someone to travel from Atlanta to install a sign? I mused to myself. He went on to offer short answers to my questions about the types of companies that were his customers. Oddly, the regular group of guys, whose energy felt more like that of hormonal 6th graders, wasn't around. We chatted some more about regular life stuff. We had in common being recently divorced, with children already in or on their way to college. Nice chatting with you, Sophia, Jason said as he got up to leave. As I watched him walk away, I experienced one of those double-take moments. Oh, what just happened? I recognized the twinge in my body, that same twinge I had experienced a few years before. After it had become clear I would be ending my 24-year marriage. I laughed as I recalled the realization back then, after the conversation with a younger man at the tiki bar. Oh, yes, there's that sex and romance stuff. As Jason walked away on this night, the subtle but dramatic shift in my body felt like the answer to a question, more like a worry about whether I would ever feel the way I had felt during my first post-divorce relationship four years earlier. I had gotten swept up in an encounter with a younger man, 17 years younger, after my marriage had unraveled and ended in divorce. The initial meeting with him had felt more like a dramatic play. There had been no choice involved. It was as if the Greek goddess of love and beauty, Aphrodite herself, jumped into my body to express herself. The goddess knew what she wanted, and she needed my body to release archetypal energy casual romance with this man unleashed sexual energy that had been tucked away for 20 years i reconnected with my feminine my body and my sexuality because i embraced the awkwardness of opening up to someone in a way i had not previously the relationship unexpectedly brought psychological wounds to the surface wounds i didn't know i had wounds that reflected a complex interdependence between my sexuality and spirituality That soulmate relationship with the man ended as dramatically as it had begun, leaving me breathless and ready for a break from romance and time to complete my research and analysis that would lead to a Ph.D. in depth psychology. The relationship had felt like a whirlwind, and I wondered if what I had experienced was a -a once-in-a-lifetime encounter. So it was significant when I felt that now-familiar shift in my body, as well as the intense vulnerability when Jason walked away that night, Some part of me opened the door to my depths just a crack on that evening at Jack's Tavern. Was Aphrodite ready to come out and play again? Why this particular moment and this particular man? Had I unconsciously experienced enough closure after the soulmate encounter? Was I being lured in again by Aphrodite's partner in crime, the Greek god Hermes, known to play the role of trickster as he guides souls? Was I ready for my next life course? And was there something about the mixing of my soul with Jason's soul that would lead to another transformative experience? After Jason walked out the door, another man across the bar asked, Did you get his number? No, I winced. Let's go, the unknown man said, and I followed him out the back door. Jason was gone. We walked back in and debriefed what had just happened. We introduced ourselves, and he admitted he enjoyed playing the role of wingman. At the time, I shrugged it off, but the unexpected excitement of the night prompted me to acknowledge that sexual attraction is like a gift of grace with an agenda and timeline all its own. It would be a couple months before Jason would make another appearance at Jack's Tavern, which was just one block from my home. The locally owned sports bar and restaurant, which attracted an eclectic group of mostly men, had recently undergone a complete overhaul after decades as an Italian restaurant frequented by an older crowd. The bar seemed to be misplaced in my wealthy neighborhood, but it didn't take long to see that it was a real-life version of the bar that became famous in the TV series, Cheers. On a typical workday, the bar would be filled with retired men and other men who didn't work a typical 9-to-5 job. I quickly noticed that bar dice games started as early as 4, and rounds of shots flowed easily. Part of me felt sad at the daily drinking ritual. The men seemed lonely, and part of me scolded myself for being judgmental of people who seemed to be pretty happy spending so much time with each other. House Cabernet, Sophia? I had become enough of a regular that no matter who was bartending, they knew my usual drink. The only reason they still asked was because from time to time I would shake it up and order a Cosmo Martini, super cold. For the most part, I would take up a small amount of space at the end of the bar, which butt up against the wall, and keep my head in a laptop or a book The wall prevented me from feeling sandwiched between what would most likely end up being two men. At some point, I would come to life and get myself included in conversation, though. One night, months earlier, after closing my laptop, I was ready to engage. Can I play with you guys? I asked one night as I found myself lured in by the sound of a raucous dart game being played behind me. That got me initiated into one of the subgroups of the bar. Hell yeah, said the man who was about six feet four. It wasn't surprising that the men excitedly and quickly rearranged teams to include me. I have a confident and playful energy about me. I was experiencing beginner's luck after having not played for a couple years, and I led my team to victory three times. Unfortunately, my debut resulted in an undeserved reputation for dark greatness. I'm rather good, though, and it was fun to play the role of a sophisticated woman who turns around and surprises her male dart partner and opponents with an aggressive, competitive spirit. From then on, my desire to compete arose spontaneously, about once per week, a reward for putting in a certain amount of studying, and which seemed to add a little charge to the group of men. Partners tonight, Sophia? was the greeting I often received before I took my seat at the bar. I would inwardly revel in my covert operation, and then gracefully return to my corner after a few games and collect my prize in the form of a glass of wine. I was entertained by gently resisting whatever category in which the men might unconsciously attempt to place me. Tequila today, guys. No training wheels. I'd surprise them. I enjoyed the look on their faces. Being in the group had become a double-edged sword. I'm an introvert, but I like the white noise of a bar. I like being around people, but talking with them only when I feel like it. It became difficult to hang out in my little corner for too long with my head in my laptop, especially when the nice older gentleman would send a glass of wine my way. I was part of the family now, which included all of the usual dysfunction. I hadn't given Jason another thought after that night when my body responded to his invisible and unconscious invitation, and months went by. I was deep in research, analysis, and writing, and my son was getting ready to go off to college. By now, heading to Jack's tavern for happy hour had become an almost daily ritual. On one of those days, a couple months later, I was surprised to see Jason at the bar. Interestingly, the usual group of guys wasn't around again. It was just him, Jason. I set up shop next to him and opened up my laptop. Hey, I greeted. Want to play darts? He asked. Sure. Right after this email I have to send. It was hard to concentrate as I began to recall that feeling from the last time I saw him. I became self-conscious about the email I was typing when he leaned over, lightly brushed my shoulder with his, and peered at my screen. We got into a conversation about racism, I think, and I started falling in love that moment. Being the depth psychology nerd that I am, I excitedly started talking about the unconscious trauma and fear that can lead to intolerance. I didn't expect to get my mind blown tonight, he said with his hands to his head. I laughed. We walked over to the dark game, and I clumsily slid the quarters in to get the game started. I was not in the flow, and it was impossible to feel that controlled sense of competition I usually felt. Each time I handed my darts to Jason, I felt a twinge of arousal when my hand lightly touched his. Is it me? I wondered if he noticed my subtle gasp for breath. Did he feel it too? After three games, we headed back to the bar for more conversation. Me feeling more awkward with every passing moment. Check this out, he said, pulling out his phone and showing me a YouTube video of an old episode of Sesame Street. Paul Simon was singing a song with a young girl who was really belting it out. Jason and I agreed that more striking than the girl's performance was the look on Paul Simon's face, which was somewhere between admiration and chagrin. I felt naked, and I couldn't tell if Jason was authentically as amused by the video as he seemed to be, which was a total turn-on for me. He wanted to send it to me, so I gave him my phone number. At some point, I said I had to go home. Maybe we can hang out next time you're in town, I suggested, completely embarrassed. Definitely, Jason said, On my walk home, I stopped suddenly. I took in a deep breath, closed my eyes, and then let it out as if something was erupting from deep within me. As I stood in the middle of the sidewalk in the dark, my hands moved up to caress my neck, and then my fingers spread as they gently ran through my hair. Mm. And then I unexpectedly blurted out, Am I in love with that man? After which I berated myself for such a ridiculous thought. Then I walked a few more steps and against my will exclaimed, I think I'm going to marry him. Oh my gosh, the embarrassment was almost more than I could take. But when I got home and crawled into bed, I felt giddy. Some kind of switch had been flipped on between the time of walking to the bar and walking back. I watched the video Jason sent me and texted him back something benign like, That's hilarious. Oh, cringe. All of a sudden I felt a rush of sexual energy unleashed throughout my body. Oh boy, here we go again. I texted, do you have favorite Netflix series right now? He replied, the only thing I watch is Mystery Science Theater 3000, he declared as if he was taking some kind of political stance. A Google search confirmed my scant memory of the show, which began in 1988 and featured a man and his robot companion making fun of B-rated science fiction movies. My inner nerd became so turned on. Huh? I can't believe anyone can watch a whole hour of this, I thought, after the tortuous watching of five minutes of an episode. I don't remember the next few texts, except that mine reflected a growing intensity of interest in who this man was. I think I asked him what he thought his Myers-Briggs personality type was. He didn't know. He answered, That would be a hard no when I asked him about whether he'd take the online test. Oh, that only made my attraction grow, his refusal to placate me— And then came, I think I'm a shy extrovert, which just increased my arousal even more. I texted, I'm intense and I love diving into an adventure. And then I was biting my nail as I waited for a response to what felt like too much intensity from me. He responded, I find you interesting and intimidating. Now it was clear the attraction was mutual. I don't remember what I said next. But then from him. I can't reciprocate right now. What? My heart dropped. I wondered what that meant, but I didn't ask. I felt lured in and taken over by some force I couldn't fight. But I held back. Well, maybe I'll see you next time you're in town, I responded. Ugh! how lame, I told myself. It felt as though I had lost control. That archetype of the woman who shamelessly chases a man jumped into my body and had a wrestling match with the grown-up woman part of me that demands self-respect. The next eight weeks were torture. I would send occasional texts to Jason asking about his day. He would sometimes respond with an interesting photo he had taken on his business travels and other times engage in conversation that rarely exceeded a couple short texts. After unleashing my inner Aphrodite and then his announcing that he could not reciprocate, an inner battle ensued for weeks about whether to send a little note on any given day. One voice in me assured that his brief and few text responses were because he was not a texter, which he had admitted. Another more protective voice warned that he regretted sending me that first text. I couldn't help but consider the devastating possibility that he just wasn't into me. During one session with my therapist, I expressed my agony over whether to invite Jason for drinks or dinner next time he was in town. To which my therapist replied, Why not? I did it. Sure, Jason said. He accepted. Oh, whew was my first response, and then exhaustion at the ridiculous inner turmoil over my constant analysis. My energy settled down over the next several weeks, and so did my texting. And then, one day, a text from Jason came. I'm coming back to town next week. Hmm, sounds like he wants to see me too, I affirmed. I felt relieved to know. That's great, I responded, forcing myself to stop right there. A few days later, I walked into Jack's tavern that next Monday at about 4 p.m. Jason was sitting at the opposite end of the bar. I can't believe how much time I spent getting ready for this meetup, I reflected as I walked towards him. I was wearing a short floral print dress that was sleeveless and showed off my toned arms, beachy shoes on my feet, and an off-white cardigan. Hi, I said as I gave him an awkward hug. Cringe. He had already been there for an hour, I guessed. I ordered my usual happy or price cabernet silence from him. He appeared to be as nervous as I was, reflected by our both being easily pulled into a conversation with one of the older male regulars to our left, who offered to buy us some shots. Sophia, I think that went straight to my head, he innocently admitted. I laughed. Thank goodness for iPhones that store lots of photos. They come in handy as distractions during first dates. Uh, I mean, meetups. I wasn't even sure this was a date. No one really says dates anymore. He showed me photos of the small house he had just bought, remarking, It's so small that I can't stand it if there's one sock on the floor. I fell in love with his sense of humor. I had recently started a gardening business in desperation to earn some money, so when he suggested, you can help me build a porch, I excitedly agreed. We started talking about our kids. He proudly showed me a photo of his son who was in high school and looked just like him. It was a Monday, so it was trivia night at Jack's Tavern. But my sexual energy was erupting from what felt like a volcano deep inside my body, and I couldn't contain it. One of the few questions I got right was about one of Ed Sheeran's love songs. It was time. I couldn't stand it anymore. I looked at him. Want to go make out? I shyly blurted out. I sounded like a teenage girl. He looked at me and nodded in the affirmative. We were both feeling loosened up, but I think he was a little more loosened up than me. So I drove his rental car the two blocks to my driveway, and we entered my abode. Are you hungry? It was still early, about 8 p.m., but we hadn't offset the few drinks we had had with any bar food, the kind that soaks up alcohol. No, thanks, he replied. Are you sure? Multiple times he refused to allow me to make him some food, and I wondered if that was a -a man-on-a-first-date thing. I had a feeling he perhaps wanted to keep that buzz he was experiencing. He was leaning back against my kitchen counter. I walked over to him, pressing my body to his Ooh, you're tall, I said as we kissed. He was the first man I had kissed since my soulmate relationship had ended. As I proceeded to give him a brief tour of the first floor, I nervously wondered about the appropriate amount of time that needed to pass before we could get to the making out part. I like this, Sophia. I really like this, he said as he looked around. My arousal only intensified as I watched his hand touch my rustic dining room set and appreciating that it was made of reclaimed wood. I followed him to my living room, enthusiastically pressing my body against his and wrapping my arms around his neck. Then I received an assertive kiss. You don't taste like an ashtray, came out of my mouth, reflecting genuine surprise by me. That first moment, back when I realized I was attracted to Jason, I was devastated at the realization that I could be attracted to a smoker. I didn't smoke today, he responded. Aw, really? Maybe it was silly, but that meant so much to me. I took Jason by the hand and finished the tour of the first floor, leading him upstairs past framed photos of my children as babies. I laughed at myself as I showed him my college aged son's room and his video gaming system. Here we are, I thought, as we entered that most intimate of space, the bedroom. I was so shy and self-conscious, but Aphrodite was apparently on a mission. I hopped onto my bed with my laptop, and started streaming Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix. I felt like it was my first time with a man. He was sitting behind me as I was trying to find an episode of the silly show. He gently grabbed my long hair and started stroking it. Oh, I melted. I could hardly take it. And I quickly set my laptop aside and faced him. I'm positive the look on my face was a combination of shy and eager, which had an immediate effect. We were both a little drunk, so things moved right along. His lips felt full and in charge as he assertively kissed me and established a little dominance by gently hanging on to my lower lip with his teeth. He was visibly pleased when he lifted the short dress over my head and removed my cranberry-colored bra. Thankfully, he assisted me when I fumbled with the buttons on his shirt. Our breathing quickened and intensified as we enjoyed touching and being touched. When he moved his body on top of mine, I began to anticipate the feeling of him inside me. "'Would you like a condom?' I asked. "'Yes, please,' he replied. I almost laughed out loud as I wondered when he was going to bring it up. Certainly he wouldn't have unprotected sex. I felt filled up with him inside me, aware of every part of my body that was moving in tandem with his. I'm not sure how long I was in a dream state which felt like intense presence— I think I was enjoying making love to his thumb with my tongue and happened to glance up at him. I felt exposed and then smiled as he looked at me. I like that you look at me, I said, expressing genuine surprise. I like looking at you, he replied. Sex felt natural, easy, playful. I like this hip, he exclaimed as his strong hand grabbed my left hip, and I laughed. Can I have this ankle? asking permission, and at the same time claiming and kissing my right ankle. He seemed to be eating me up, and I indulged him. A little later, as I whisked him out the door, he said, Oh, what I want to do for your body. Mm. The next two days felt mutually awkward, and I was confused. An admission of embarrassment and painful hangover was communicated to me by him via text. Calling on all the self-restraint I could command, I let it go. "'eagerly awaiting a request for another meetup "'while he was still in town. "'On the third day when we met at Jack's, "'it was as awkward as the first date, or meetup. "'No hugs this time. "'The six inches of space between us "'was filled with electric sexual tension. "'Wanna go make out?' "'This time it was Jason who asked, "'before we had even finished our first drink. "'Yes!' I laughed, feeling relieved. "'We went to his hotel, "'stopped at the bar for some chicken wings, "'and then went up to his room. "'His body felt familiar.' And again, I found myself at some point humorously asking if he wanted a condom, to which he replied, yes. At one point, he grabbed me by my hips and rolled me on top of him. He asked if I was okay as he answered me, to which I replied, yeah, it's just been a while. I relished in his visible and audible expression of pleasure from rocking my body back and forth with him inside me. I smiled inside as he exploded in orgasm. And then, his tone serious as he looked at me, I don't know what I'm doing, Sophia. What? I was confused. With this, I asked, as I pointed to my body and our sexual escapade, or with life in general? I didn't know what he meant by what felt like a vulnerable sharing, but the look on his face answered my question. He seemed to be going through his own midlife journey. Well, I said, I'm the best person to be vulnerable with. I connected with him on a deeper level than he knew. I had come to realize that those rare times I feel intense attraction for someone is because I sense a complexity about their life. I didn't ask him to share more, just like I didn't ask for detail about his not being able to reciprocate. After some quiet time just laying together, we got dressed and he politely drove me home. I don't remember what words we used to express our mutual appreciation for each other, and there was a clear absence of talk of the future that was the last time I saw Jason. Over the next three weeks, there was what felt like desperate grasping on my end. And by his waning responses, feeling pressured on his end, I assumed. I knew better than to try to force anything, but I did not trust myself. I was ready to dive into a new adventure, but it wasn't mutual. So one day I deleted Jason's number from my phone. I let him go. Or at least I tried. But memories of his assertive kisses and touching, his nerdy interests, and his admission of feelings of being interested and intimidated replayed in my mind over and over as I sought to re-experience the intense and sustained arousal I felt just being near Jason. What was the meaning of his vulnerable sharing that he didn't know what he was doing with his life? My body and mind held on to these remnants of our brief encounter, just as Rose, played by Kate Winslet in the film Titanic, held on to the heart of the ocean blue diamond, a symbol of her encounter with Jack. I hoped that one day I would receive a random text that he was in town, or an inquiry as to how I was doing. Nothing. I needed to move on. Like Rose, I went on with my life. I finished my dissertation, sold my house, picked up and moved to a beach town, secured my Ph.D. I wasn't used to actually having what I had been dreaming about. I had made it through the most difficult part of my midlife journey, had experienced a transformative soulmate relationship, and had found a new passion through my research. My encounter with Jason seemed to be a sign that there was still something new to be experienced in the realm of love. Perhaps it just wasn't the right time, or perhaps it wouldn't be with him. No sooner had I started to put down roots in my new beach town than spontaneous fantasies about reuniting with Jason exploded from my unconscious. Is that him? I would wonder. I began to see his likeness everywhere. For example, a guy walking in a store that seemed to be an exaggerated version of him. Could that be him? I began to feel tortured by the constant projections I was clearly and uncontrollably attaching to anyone and everyone who resembled Jason. One day, early on a Friday morning, as I was on my usual walk along the beach, I spotted a man who caused me to do one of those double takes what really made me take notice was what felt like familiarity with his body and those glasses perched on top of his head of dark hair. I was probably 35 feet away. The man was just standing there near the water, checking his phone. I imagine he was staying at the hotel located right behind him on the beach. Perhaps he was enjoying the sunrise and breathing in the ocean breeze before he had to pack up and return home after being in town on business. I was walking that way anyway and, as I got closer, the energy and the awkwardness intensified. my heart beat faster and faster as the anticipation grew. I felt both excited and naked. Did he just look at me? I quickly looked down. I decided that was just my imagination. I had rehearsed what I thought I might say if I ever ran into Jason, and now I was overtaken by a mysterious force that kept me from even confirming whether it was him. My damn eyesight I was far enough away that i I just couldn't be sure. And I didn't have the courage to walk up to a strange man and ask if it was Jason. I knew it was possible he could be in town because he told me he occasionally came to northern Florida for business. Oh, I chastised myself for not getting closer, but I just couldn't do it. As I walked past the man that might be Jason, I casually turned back and looked again, walked some more, turned around and looked again, and then one more time. (sighs) For days, I wondered about the meaning of my fantasy, which now felt more like an obsession. After all, I had come to realize that my soulmate relationship with my first post-divorce relationship had served as a vehicle through which I was able to experience deeper connection with myself. Could it be that this fantasy about Jason was simply an invitation to come into deeper relationship with another part of myself, a part that needed to be expressed during this time in my life? I began to relate to my fantasy of reuniting with Jason differently, which became imperative if I were to remain sane. I began to think about how Jason might reflect a part of me that I didn't know existed. I came to relate to my inner Jason as a part of me that I needed to fall in love with. This part of me didn't know what she was doing as she was learning to exist in the world differently than she had during the first part of her life. This part of me had tattoos and was grungy and wanted to run away to a bike-friendly town in Oregon, as Jason had shared with me. I decided to offer my fantasy and everything I felt for Jason up to the universe, to the divine. If we were meant to reconnect, then there would be nothing that would stop it. If not, then I would save a special place in my heart for Jason, just as Rose did for Jack. Some spiritual teachers say that our deepest desires often become realized when we let them go. Perhaps it was my final release of Jason from my intense yearning that opened a space for reconnecting on terms other than mine. Now, as I gazed at the man across the bar, it felt like time stood still for both him and me. Unlike the self conscious uncertainty I'd felt before, The man and I seemed to pause and take in all that had happened since our last encounter, even if unspoken. "'One more, please,' the man motioned to the bartender. "'What's he doing?' I nervously wondered when he stood up, picked up his whiskey, and started walking towards me. Our eyes connected in a way that communicated mutual relief at the ending of one story and the beginning of another. "'No need to say anything.' Only the divine could orchestrate a reunion with the man I had once yearned for, but only after I had stopped yearning for him. Hi, I said shyly, as the man I finally confirmed was Jason leaned onto the bar close enough that our shoulders lightly touched. Hi, he replied. I giggled. He smirked. Want to go make out? He asked. Yes, I said. I hope you enjoyed my first short story. Honestly, I feel awkward all over again reading it to you, but that's the point. I write for me and others to create space to process and find meaning in ordinary life events. Please share, and you can purchase a hard copy of my story at my website store at deborahlukovich.com, along with the beautiful cover photograph which is by Alice Alinari. Check her out too. Until next time. I'm your host, Deborah Lukovich, and you are listening to Dose of Depth Podcast. To get updates on new episodes, my writing, and how I teach my clients to get to know that deeper part of themselves, go to DebraLukovic.com. Oh, and if you're not ready for a coach, Learn what my clients know in my book, Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? Five Steps to Uncovering Your Hidden Purpose. You can check it out on my website or get it on Amazon.